wasn't lies, it was just bullshit. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you sixty thousand dollars. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm talking about great fapness <clears throat> on the board. SP futures up seven. NASDAQ futures up 30. Except for a big turnaround yesterday from being down to up on the day. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that we don't care anything about world events. We don't care anything about an asteroid might be coming to our head or a, another planet. It's all about the Fed. If we, if we hint that they might put more money into the system, we don't care. And if, the, if the country goes down, they pour more money in the system. We'll go down, but the market will be up. That's, that's the mentality people seem to have now. And from one man's opinion, I'll get Greg's and we have Mr. Brendan. Professor yes. Brendan, how yes, are you? Yes, we do. Um, that's that's insane. <laughs> Jesus, what a cluster. Yeah. Jesus, what a cluster. Um, it's It should be insane, but is it? <clears throat> well, it depends. <laughs> yeah. I, I, how do you argue unless you're redefining insanity? I mean, the, the I, I, I just don't know. I'm so befuddled by all the things that we think are in the normal or have for years and decades been normal and now aren't um it, it just boggles my mind um well i i would be the first person to say i can't believe i said something like that it think back it hasn't been that long brendan we, we might be getting up there we still have a memory we just went through the biggest depression since the 30s we shut down the entire economy and the market went straight up mm-hmm bye because because if I put forty percent more money in the market, well that's right. So what makes you think it won't happen again? Well, I do think it'll happen again, but I, I'm just saying that when you're trying to plan for that and trying to whether it's from an investor or even from a living status, it, it's just insane that the only thing that's going to seem to make sense and and help the investor is for the Fed to put more money into the system. Well, even you know, at some point we have to we have to kind of ride out the waves. Uh, you would think, but um, fortunately, neither one of us were, were hanging around in Germany's Weimar Republic. Is the is the that's true? Is the it, you needed a bushel basket of money to get a loaf of bread? The market went straight up. Yeah, and by the end of the day, that's when you went to the store in the morning. By the end of the day, you'd need two bushels of basket for that same loaf of bread, or you'd only get a half a loaf of bread. But the market would have doubled. Mm-hmm. The market was all okay. 
In Turkey, yeah. the dollars, the Turkish market's up, right? <clears throat> Not mm-hmm. anybody else's dollars. It's a it's a bizarre situation. I uh, well, yesterday, as soon as the Fed came out and said maybe, or the, the two people talking. By the way, when did this when did this start? Where all these people do nothing but talk every day and swing the market. The people on the Fed they used to shut up when, when I was younger. Yeah, but but the, you know there are more things going on in the world right now. When you when you look at the crisis in Israel right now, when you look at other things that are going on around the world, I mean it, it's not just the Fed that should be impacting the markets. There's a lot more critical things going on um, that we should be paying attention to. But when I guess where I'm coming from this is as, as a trader, I always want things to be fair, and of course I'm going to fail miserably at that wanting things. Why why do we have was it nine people on the Fed? Each people, it, it, let's put it this way, if they're not smart enough to know that whatever they say is probably a bigger market mover than the labor numbers and everything else, I don't want them on the Fed. I don't want Susie whatever or Jim whatever. Man, I think we might be uh, possibly uh, lowering rates this year and the market runs up. If they don't know that's a tradable statement, I don't want them on the Fed. And, uh, and the next question is, who are they telling beforehand and are they trading it? Why do we need nine people opining every two weeks moving the market? Why can't they just shut up between meetings? I think that's a fair statement. That's that's a fair thing to, to for you to say and for them to do, that they shouldn't be saying things between their meetings. Um, well, we have all kinds of stuff to talk about here. One is um, the head of Walmart, for the first time, consumers starting to buckle for the first time in a decade. This is after uh, two weeks. Audrey and I went to... Uh, so I could watch why I want to watch the Irish, but I did last week. Uh, there's a Peppies out by them. It doesn't look like a regular Peppies. It's a really nice place in a, in a shopping mall, and they got all these big screen TVs. And there's not a whole lot of people ever at the bar, so you can put whatever you want on. So I had the baseball on one TV and the Irish on the other. It was like I ran the place. The lady was saying their foot traffic is starting to drop dramatically. Same thing happened a week before, like the family pizza place, and now um, Bill Simon, who's the head of Walmart says that the uh, warms consumers are starting to buckle for the first time in a decade. This is the list of headwinds weighing on consumers, including inflation, <coughs> air interest rates, federal, federal budget wrangling, polarized politics, and student loan repayments, which started this month now again, right? Right. But it's 43 million people <coughs> sending an average of $286 a month into the government, which they didn't have to last month. That's a lot of money. Um... What do you think? What do you, what do you think? I, I I believe this. I think I think people are starting to buckle. I I think they are too. I think that it, it'll be interesting to see what over the next three to six months, how consumer spending reduces if it reduces at all going through the holiday season, and how that compares with previous years. Um, I I think this year's holiday season will be a dramatic source of information as to how significant all of these factors are. Not to mention that you know the the continuing war, the new war in Israel with Hamas, um, other external factors that are going to contribute to this, and what's going to happen, for example, in Congress, will the Republicans be able to have a new Speaker of the House who will be able to get anything done? Well, what's his name? Put his name back in the ring. No, McCarthy. After, yeah, after uh, he was out for what a day. Yep. Um, yeah. This is crazy stuff, isn't it? It is, but you know McCarthy's in a position where he may be the 
the, the fallback consensus candidate. But it's not going to do him any good if he doesn't get the rules changed, if he tries to take back some of the things that he agreed to in January. Otherwise, we're going to replay this same scenario in another few weeks or certainly in a couple of months. Well, isn't it, I mean, I've, people have been disagreeing with me, but I, I think it's really odd that the Congress essentially put themselves out of business. It's never happened before, has it? No, it hasn't. But, the, you know, we've, we've talked on the show before about minority rule. And this is the epitome of minority rule, because you've got one half of one third of the levers of government calling the shots. And of that one half of one third, it's eight out of, or say 10 people out of 220, um, a really insignificant amount when, when you do the math. And yet they're calling the shots right now and shutting down the entire government. Um, well, they're not effectively shutting down the entire government per se, like they would have if they didn't pass the bill a few weeks ago. But what they are doing is making sure that nothing can happen going forward at this point, um, because all bills have to be passed by the House and, and many bills have to be started in the House. So they've effectively shut down the government. I mean, there's going to be a delay, but, you know, we're getting closer to the middle of November when the when the uh, appropriations run out for the fiscal year. and. Um, there are crises going on right now um, that require people to govern, and it's really a small minority. And it's not just in in the House, but you know you've got senators who are blocking U.S. attorney positions. You've got Tuberville who's blocking military promotions. It's insane when you think about the minority position and the power that just a handful of people have in government. Well, if the Democrats control the Senate, what how does yeah. how does the Republican Stop something from coming up from a vote. Under the Senate rules, any senator, any single senator can put a hold on unanimous approval of, of a bill or passage. So what Tuberville, for example, is doing is he's put a hold on any um, um, a, approval of any promotion in the military ranks. There is a workaround in the Senate that they would take a voice vote on each one of them. However, that's very time-consuming. And in the case of U.S. attorneys, it's the same thing. J.D. Vance from Ohio has put a hold on at least two appointments for U.S. attorneys, the one here in Illinois and the one in the Northern District of Ohio, which is his own state. So he's saying that I will not allow the, the vote to go through. I need those for, for unanimous consent. And it, there's just too what much do you, what time. Do you, what do you mean by unanimous consent? They say... Um, all in favor, aye, and if everybody says aye and nobody opposes it, then it, it moves forward with approval. So they can put and like... It's, it's typically been done for most non-controversial pieces of legislation. It's also been done typically for things like military promotions and the... Right, so they wing the, 10 names out there and say for all these guys, aye, and everybody goes aye. Yeah. And if there are controversial appointments, like say, for example, one of these two... Uh, U.S. attorneys that are being held up were really controversial, then they would go to a voice vote. But it's a really time-consuming process, and they have to go through the roll call for each one of them individually. And um, the, the Senate relented in the case of the appointment of the Joint Chiefs of Staff a, few, a, a week or two ago um, when General Milley uh, retired and, and left his position. 
But there was a holdup on that to appoint his successor, the guy who's the Air Force general, uh, took his place. But it's and they they finally I think did the same procedure for the commandant of the Marine Corps, and there was one other, so there were three of them. And um, but it it took a lot longer period of time than what uh, would normally would have been the course. Um, so what do you do? I want to ask you about this. Iran money and, and the politics of the uh, <laughs> the politics of the media <laughs> before before I let you go here. But um, what do you, what do you what do you do in a situation where when you say this uh, this minority? By the way, if if I would have been elected as a representative, of course I didn't run. Uh, nor would I have been elected? I would have been right with these guys. I'm not going to sit there for two years and not have. The, the bumps on either side of the aisle address the fact that we're thirty percent in the hole every year on money. I don't. I don't see you, you. You can't get me to sit there for two years and watch that without saying something about it. You can try and shut me up, but and I'm not going to do it. I mean, if it's and it's every time we get to a. I mean, I don't like the idea that in theory, everybody votes on every bill and they shouldn't be surprised when the numbers t- tally up the way they do. But I think that theory is all BS, Brendan, because people misestimate every one of these bills, be it a tax thing or be it something else. they miss that, they, The Congressional Budget Office comes out and says it's going to cost us X. At the end of two years, it's cost us way more than X. So I don't really have... It's, it shouldn't be the right time, but I don't have any problem with these guys bitching about, hey, this, this deficit's $33 trillion, it should be 31 if I listen to you idiots, and I'm not sitting there for two years basically on my fat ass doing nothing, because that's, that's what I came here to do. I'm, I'm right with them. To mm-hmm. be honest with you. Okay. I mean, I, so what you cut? Well, I'm saying that unless they address some of this stuff, and neither side wants to. I mean, the, the Republicans don't want to look look at their uh, tax cut and say, "Wow, this this didn't do anywhere near what we thought it was going to do," and we can't. And Biden can't look at his thing saying, "Wow, we're spending way more." And by the way, the the, the investment infrastructure didn't reap huge rewards in taxation because it didn't. Somebody somewhere has to say, "We got it. We got to." We got to look at these two things again, and I don't. All right, I, I agree. But the other two things, if there's going to be a significant reduction in uh, in the deficit, there also has to be a significant examination of the defense budget as well as Social Security and Medicare. Um, I'd say Medicare would be. Drivers. I would say be Medicare and Medicaid would be the top, but that's another. But the point being is they're not doing anything. <clears throat> Biden doesn't think there's a problem. He absolutely doesn't think there's a problem. And I don't think the Republicans think there's a problem with their with their tax decrease when the people from overseas that were hiding all the taxes got a better deal now than they did before the thing was passed. Mm-hmm. Right? That was supposed to stop all that. It didn't stop it. It made it worse. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're right. There's, there are a lot of unintended consequences to what happens when they propose something and pass something with the expectations that are not I, met. I think... On both sides of the aisle. I really, I really disagree with my friend, but I'm going to say they absolutely were intended. You think the Republicans actually okay. believe the bullshit they gave us? Um, when you keep listening to them say the same thing and taking the same stance, I'm I'm not sure that 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 they really did intend it. Well, um, I got another question. I know you're you're, you're probably not foolishly watching Newsmax. <laughs> I hope not. But no, uh, I'm not. Let's just say I go someplace and it's on the TV. I can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. Let's just say say right. Um, hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Um, the Iranian government 
has they now have access to six billion dollars of their funds that we had restricted. That we basically we put it in hack, said they couldn't get it. It was it was in overseas banks. I think it was some of it was in South Korea or someplace. Mm-hmm. We, we we essentially um, we kicked them out of the SWIFT network, right? So they can't they can't do any, any banking with any other country, correct? <coughs> um, correct. And we pretty much put a hold on a lot of their assets. Not mm-hmm. saying not saying we shouldn't have, because they are yeah. obviously a devious group. Uh, so now, as part of somewhat of opening negotiations with them, and I could see why you would want to, because you really don't want the Iran, Russia, China triumvirate to get a whole lot of legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it would be very touchy negotiations. I mean, I'd have to give you that job because I couldn't do it. So you need someone <laughs> like you to do it. Um, as part of that, the U.S. has basically shifted some of that money to the Emirates. And the idea is the they can now use it for humanitarian, restricted humanitarian purchases for medicine and, and other medical. stuff. And medical. Medical and human supplies. Humanitarian supplies. Yeah, now if you listen to, and, and, and of course, I don't know if anybody can get an accounting of how much has been sold. Allegedly, we are supposed to be able to approve, or somebody, virtually every purchase mm-hmm. right, out, of, out of this mess. Now, whether somebody's on it or not, or they're just saying they are, who knows? I think government's so inefficient. But if you listen to Newsmax, every single penny went to finance this invasion, or whatever you want to call it, last Saturday, and every single person who's dead over there, the blood is on Joe Biden's hands. I'm listening to this. All right. All right. But, I mean, come on. I'm just saying what they were saying. I I, I know. Now you're going to start backing off. But, I mean, just think about a timeline here. The $6 billion was only released in the last couple of weeks. By the way, I was about to criticize there's, Newsmax. There's not so enough time I, to I, take that money and put it into the, the, the preparation for a plan like this. I, Brennan, you know I, that I mean, and I so know that. Conspiracy, okay. conspiracy theories on both sides are just so ridiculous but that, I mean, that that statement just does not make sense. I, every single penny I, I listen. I listen to it. Box. I listen to it and the person who had it on going, how can you listen to this crap? If people listen to it all day long, and they, they didn't. There was nothing that said, "By the way, we shifted the six billion dollars last week, and it's all gone already, and we have this to prove it." They had nothing to prove it. They had nothing to prove anything. And yet, that's what they were saying. And and Brendan, these people believe it. And that's the sad thing. Yeah, that that's the part that's ridiculous. And how can you, how can wild conspiracy theories like that gain any traction with anybody? I mean, it's nonsensical. If you have a functioning brain to think that that statement, that the $6 billion released a year ago, or a week ago, led to the Hamas invasion in Israel this past weekend, that does not make any sense at all. Brennan, I was, it was a half hour before I could leave the room. They must have said it ten times. Constantly, this, this entire thing is because Biden is so weak with Iran and Trump would be stronger and the Republicans would be stronger and the Democrats are always weak and the... Republicans are always stronger. They're, you know, they're never going to get pushed around. I mean, Trump's yeah, like, and these are know, the same people who think that Trump never lies about anything. Yeah, they're the same people that realize what a bump he was going over to North Korea and putting that guy on the national stage. That's right. But then what they talk about this guy, like, remember, remember the Saturday Night Live, the Ditka? Uh, Ditka would yeah. never lose. It's like, Trump is like Ditka now, for God's sake. The fact is, the guy didn't do any of that stuff when he was in there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, but the fact, Brendan, I know of. I mean, I haven't talked probably four or five people that I know from 
you know, playing sports with uh, extended family members, f- good friends, have totally dissolved into this listening to this stuff all day long. I know one guy, used to be a Chicago policeman, he watches TV in one channel and has another uh, 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 conservative podcast in his ear, listens to two at the same time. That's all he does. His mother kicked him out. This is this has become an endemic for some of these people. How can, how can people do that? I mean, I, these are people that I know and care about. I mean, this is nuts. I don't know how to explain how they do that or why they do that, but that's nuts. And, and that's that's a propaganda pitch with without any source of information. And I would hope that at some point the people who – and I'll even throw the people who are, um, are left-wing conspiracists in here. Oh, too, yeah, oh, yeah. Are, are watching all MSNBC, but I mean – when you keep listening to those things without any examination of the veracity of them or how it could even possibly be true. I mean, this is like reading Robert Ludlum novels with the intricacy of, of the vaccine stuff. And I mean, I, I just don't understand how anybody can be snookered by that kind of information all the time. But you're also right. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before the big lie. You say it often enough and loud enough and people start to believe it, especially if that's all that they're listening to. And that's where I see that um, the rise in single issue or single perspective so-called news unquote stations are doing a detriment to this country. Well, the, th- the thing of it is their, their message is one of hate. It doesn't yes. matter, it doesn't matter if, if we actually could find one, I haven't found them, if we could find Solomon and plunk him in the, in the White House without any sort of history of being a bad guy without any sort of ability to lie to people if we put if we put a saint in there they'd find a way to hate him because that's because that's what they preach well that's right one side or the other or both yeah and you know, the other thing is that um the 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 target has shifted i mean it wasn't that long ago when the republican party was anti-russia and anti-communist and now a lot of their decisions are in favor of Russia. It, it has completely flipped. Uh, I, I mean, I just don't understand how the polarization has gotten as bad as it does. Well, some people think that because the people in Ukraine are corrupt, that somehow or another they're just as corrupt as the people in Russia, and, and, the, and the Russians should take the place over. I mean, I've, I've, heard, I've had that conversation with a couple of conservative people. So a sovereign government can take over another sovereign government just because both are corrupt. Um, that is nuts. Well, yes, it is. I would agree. I don't I mean it's just you know he's he's corrupt, and by the way, some of the people are Russian speaking, and same people would have said you know you had to give Germany the Sudeten land because they spoke German, right? Well, that's right. That's the point I was about to make. That the same thing was true about the appeasement of the Germans in nineteen in the nineteen thirties, and where did that get us? What would, what would have happened? Do you think? If if Churchill would have gotten bumped off in 1935, he literally was the only person in Britain that didn't believe that you could trust Hitler, and basically such a stubborn old cuss that he managed to pull it off. Actually, the I think the uh, the one of the the king was behind him. I think the Queen Mother was against him, wasn't she? I I don't know I don't know those facts. I don't know who was for him and who was against him, but um, it. it you know, fortunately, we don't have to play out the, that scenario because he did survive, and uh, the Allied forces won. It also was interesting, though, that I'm not sure how much longer 
the Germans could have continued their domination with resistance. And certainly if the United States had ended the war with or without the British holding still, holding strong with the uh, invasion of, of England, with the Blitzkrieg, um, that that they really would have had the forces to withstand the U.S. and the Russians. It would have taken, I think it might have taken longer because of not having a foothold there. But I think that, you know, there's there's only a certain number of, of Germans uh, in, in the world at that time. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how long they would have been held out, but they would have hit down. <coughs> well, they were pretty good at, uh, they were pretty good at getting Vichy and everybody else on their side. I don't, I don't see how you could have done Normandy from the east coast of the U.S. Oh, you Britain. couldn't. You couldn't. That's what I said. That with, with with that, I mean, that certainly would have taken longer to to prepare an invasion, but they might have gone in a different way. But who, who knows? Fortunately, we don't have to try to uh, um, think about how that would have or could have turned out. Yeah, we can't. We don't have to worry about a world without Roosevelt or Churchill because they were here. Yeah. Now, how come, Brandon? We've got to let you go. But my question is, we've had three massive, huge issues in this country. Maybe I don't want to count World War One, although it was a problem. We had Washington, Lincoln, and Roosevelt. Um, the big upstairs only only say he's given us three, and then we're on our own, or what? Because I don't see one of those guys coming out of three the woodwork. Three strikes and you're out. Yeah, I don't, I don't see one of those guys coming out of the woodwork here, do you? No, I don't. We could but use it is one. interesting that if you look back through history, uh, oftentimes at times of really big crisis, like World War II, there was a lot of polarization within Congress, in the Senate and the House, uh, and isolationism, particularly the time, well, both World War One and World War Two, isolationism was really strong in the country. We're in a different role now in the world, and have been since the end of World War Two. But the the idea of we take care of ourselves and to hell with the rest of the world is very common at point, at times in history when the rest of the world was in big trouble. Which yeah, which it is now. Brennan, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, just keeps up. We might call on you later in the week, if you don't mind. Okay. SP Futures up two. NASA Futures up two. So we're up just a little bit. Be right back, Mr. Joel O'Connor. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm tomorrow with Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 275, NASDAQ Futures up 5. We've been positive, but not, not very much. But we've been, we've been above the flat line pretty much all since last night. Dow Futures up 47. I don't really see the stocks in the Dow moving that much. I got Boeing up 91 cents. Amgen down a buck. So nothing nothing crazy there. McDonald's up a buck. Up a buck, Chuck. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 257, 1.7%. Sharply higher. Uh, mining stocks are up 3%. Interesting. Putsy up 121, 1.6%. Kakaron up 109, 1.6%. Uh, you know, we'll ask Joel about this because I think a lot of this is Central banks, think, uh, people are thinking of pour money in if they have to. Uh, Nikkei up 751, 2.4%. Uh, investors shake off pressures from Hamas attack. It's, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Hang Seng up 147.8%, still 17,664. Shanghai down 21, 3,075. Yesterday we turned around and we had a big update uh, after being down in the morning with the attack. That was up 197, SP up 27, NASDAQ up 52. Bonds. A uh, ten-year down seven basis points, 4.70. We had a couple of Fed people came out yesterday. Boy, go figure on this, saying, "Well, they're not probably going to do anything for the rest of the year to the upside." So everybody's convinced they'll turn around if this conflict uh, conflict goes any bigger, which we sure hope it doesn't. Wouldn't up up five basis points, 2.81. So there's a conflict there. Uh, Japan down base one base point, 0.79, but right same number. Oil down 32 cents, 86.06. Rent down 34 cents, 87.81. Natural gas down a penny, 3.36. Our Bob unchanged, 2.34. We've got gold up 4.30, 18.68. Still trying to get back to 1900 slowly. Uh, silver down 12 cents, 21.80. Copper down 3 cents, 3.60. So no crazy stuff going on there. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin's down a whole 44 bucks, 27,561. And the U.S. dollar, which was strong, is uh, actually down a little bit today, very little bit. Euro is at 105.7. British pound at 122, so hanging around those lower numbers from a few weeks ago. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Then we'll get to Joel. Good morning, everyone. 6.37 a.m., 40 degrees in Chicago, 59 today. Breezy with some sun. Phoenix, 76 right now, 97 today. Hot, plenty of sun. Traffic, Montrose to the interchange, 21 minutes. Eden's Lake Cook Inn is 44 minutes. The Ike, Wolf to the interchange, 28 minutes. Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 23 minutes. And the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan, is 29 minutes. Yesterday, Packers lose at the Raiders. Both choke in the fourth quarter. That was a 13-17 Raiders. And MLB, Phillies lose at the Braves, 4-5. And Diamondbacks win at Dodgers, 4-2. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Joel? We sure do. Joel, what do you think about that play to end the game yesterday in the, in the Phillies game? Well, Chief, uh, 
You have to fill me in. I guess I was not prepared for the sports part of this segment. What happened? Uh, first time ever, a uh, guy waxed one. They've got uh, Trout, not Trout, who's the Bryce Harper's on first base. Guy waxed one to uh, full uh, left center. Guy races back there. Atlanta's got some scampers in the outfield. Guy runs back there, snags the thing at the wall. It's an incredible catch. Turns around, uh, Harper's already passed second base. Why I'm not sure why he was that far, but he was. The guy throws the ball in. It gets away. It's rolling through the infield. The third baseman runs over, picks it up, and guns him down. If he still wasn't back the first, guns him down at first. So it was an 8-5-3 double play. Like I've never had one of the playoffs like ever. <laughs> when was the last time it was an 8-5-3 double play? Uh, how about that uh, Acuna, Ronnie Acuna, huh? I mean, one, huh? I mean, what do you have, 40, 70, uh, first uh, time that's happened in the major leagues. Atlanta just has gotten good and and stayed good, but uh, your Diamondbacks are doing okay. I was, when they, I, I, I don't know the history of that team, but I know when they started out this year, they were like eight games up on the Dodgers, right? Then they had the mid, mid part of the season. I just thought they fell apart. They were too young or whatever. They must have had some people hurt. All of a sudden, they came back. When they beat the Cubs, what they beat them, like uh, five out of six the last two weekends they played them or something? I mean, everybody was, you know, pretty much ragging on the Cubs, which, you know, because the Cubs had some injuries. But Arizona, I'm looking at Arizona going, it's not just the Cubs. These guys are, like, really good. I mean, their outfield is fast as all get out. I'm saying whoever plays these guys is going to have trouble. So then they swept the Brewers, right? And then they and then now they're, now they're spanking the Dodgers. I, I think that, that team is good. I wouldn't mind seeing they, if they played Atlanta in the uh, in the uh, finals. That would be an incredible series or in the or division series between two young, incredibly flat, fast ball clubs. I, I, that would be a great series. I think. Just saying. Uh, yeah, what's that? That that that's a best of seven, right? The, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean. The Dodgers play, you know, paying out all the money to all those players over the years, and what what's it yielded them? One title yeah. over the last. I mean, they're kind of, you know, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a hater, but you know, the Yankees spending all that money, and uh, and then you know what the Dodgers do, the big market teams. I mean, it, it's good it's good to see the the middle tier or lower tier. Uh, teams, you know, stepping up. Atlanta's certainly not a huge. I mean, it's a good sized market. Uh, Arizona stepping up. It's uh, it's good to see. I think uh, you know the over the thing I'll say about baseball this year, and I mentioned to it, you know, a couple different uh, people. I mean that that pitch clock. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it 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 changed the game. It changed the perception of. Uh, you know, well, they got changed young people, right? Who watches baseball? Old people, right? Old people like you. I, I, I don't watch that much because uh, my Motor City kitties have not uh, had done a little bit better this year. Uh, but, man, it's a, you know what? This is a football town, Chief. I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about baseball. Well, yeah, well, you've got those champion Lions. When was the last time they won a championship? 55? 1958. 58. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, was Alex Karras on that team? He was, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I well, that, that's even that's even predating uh, uh, my time, Chief. I think but, the quarterback uh, was the quarterback Milt Plum. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Chief, Chief, are you up? In, I mean, are you up in my uh, my genre? It actually was nineteen fifty seven that they won. It wasn't uh, nineteen fifty eight. No, this uh, Dan Campbell is. Uh, is really, um, you know, his rah-rah, old-school Vince Lombardi style is paying off. 
Uh, this general manager, Brad Holmes, just pulled off this incredible trade. They got rid of Stafford, right? Yeah. And, of course, the Rams went on to the Super Bowl. They got uh, two first-round picks, a third-round pick. And uh, <clears throat> they re- resurrected the team. It's, uh, it, it, it's pretty exciting. And then you want to talk about football. You want to talk about big-time football. I mean, my Michigan Wolverines, I mean, I don't want to get too excited, of course. Lot, lot of games to play. Uh, I'll, you know, Bob, we run the gamut the last three weeks of the season at Maryland, at Penn State, and then Ohio State home. How Ohio State doesn't look that impressive, but, man, J.J. McCarthy, pinpoint passing. The defensive line, uh, there, there could be uh, – there are eight – deep and i'm telling you those guys a lot of those guys have the chance of playing on sunday so really excited about football hockey season gets started here in the motor city a lot of pressure on stevie Y. uh he's been here for quite a while they haven't made the playoffs and they're really not projected uh to make the playoffs this year don't ask me what to do with the pistons they did bring in monty williams uh you know from uh from phoenix he's a good coach they got to do something with all those jab choices but Basically, Chief, I haven't been following sports around here too much. Well, you know, uh, Monty Williams, one thing about him, I've met him a couple times in Notre Dame. He's a, he's a strikingly nice guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means he's going to be he, – he can coach, but he did a pretty, pretty good job in Phoenix. But, I mean, he's a real good guy. So, I mean, he's yep. a class act. So, you got that going for you. Hey, all right, what's going on? We don't seem to care about any war the last couple of days, do we? Or is it just the Fed's going to turn things around because of the war and we're okay with that or something? Oh, man, oh, man. It's, you know what it's all about, Chi? I mean, the Fed's the Fed, and they're going to they're gonna stand. I mean, like the big news, the big rally yesterday is because they, they might not go a quarter point. I mean, what if they do a quarter point? I mean, what the heck's a big deal? But you have a lot of catalysts coming up this week, right? You got the PPI, you got the CPI, the PPI. Uh, you know, you had Pepsi earnings today. I guess people are still eating Fritos and drinking Pepsi, even though they're taking Ozempic. Uh, so, you know, but, uh, you know, you got Delta Airlines coming out. You have JP Morgan. It's all about earnings, Chief. It's all about inflation. It's all about earnings. The Fed is the Fed. I mean, People, get used to it. Four or five percent rates. They're here. If you think they're going to 12 and a half, like, uh, um, you know, like uh, Mr. Uh, Diamond says, then then the S&P is going under a thousand. It's just slow and steady wins the race. And with, uh, you know, earnings coming up, inflation numbers coming up. Uh, the war is a whole different story. We could talk about that for an yeah. hour, Chief. But, um, you know, the state, of, it, it was a good rally. And what I tried to do yesterday, of course, you know, being Jewish and, you know, following the whole Israeli situation and, you know, when you turn yourself to the markets. I just looked at what the market did on Friday, right? And Friday was a very impressive day and tried to look at it technically a little bit. So I thought they would buy the dip, but man, oh man, I didn't think they'd buy the Columbus Day dip like that and and get the market, you know, back closer to 4,400. So earnings and inflation will determine next move in the market. Well, that's true. I, I think that it should be that, but it's not. If the Fed says we're going back the other way. But the thing of it is, Joel, you and I are old enough to know that the Fed doesn't really control, even though they did for a while because they poured so much money in. They really don't control the long-term rates. Nope. And uh, we may find that out. But if you ask any young person, they're going to say they control those too. They don't, really. It's more people's inflationary expectation, and it's supply and demand of money over the long term. And I don't know if they've got that covered as much as they did a few years ago. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll we're uh, you know we're below the level like in the TLT. We're below the uh, uh, you know the uh, financial crisis lows. So uh, everything is signaling that this market should crater, and it's not. No, it isn't. Else, <clears throat> but you know, sometimes uh, that's the way I, th- I thought it was in 1982. Why is this market going up? Why isn't it going up? And all of a sudden, one day it did. <laughs> Joel, take care of yourself, bud. All right, go blue. SP Futures up three. Nancy Futures up eleven. A uh, real, real quick break of Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. What it is. Well, we'll Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up a buck and a half. NASDAQ Futures up three. Do we have Mr. Paul Carey? We do, we do. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. We're LOE. We went from 85 degrees to 40 in like four days here in Chicago. Really? Yeah, it's chilly. And we went from 95 to like 80. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a better do. Yes, it is. Um, so you, I'm going to say unequivocally, you're out of the hurricane season. Uh, you know, I would like to say that, but we have two more weeks. We do have until November first, officially. But yes, I'd like to think we are out of it. And you go back out on your yacht now without fear. I can. Yes, that's exactly what I can do. Yes. Um, do you have a? Do you have a? If, if a hurricane came at you, do you have a spot? Is there a spot where people can take their boats? Like there's a a river to go inland or anything in Florida or not really, huh? Well, they do, you know, they, and I don't have a boat, so I only know of what people tell me, but there's a spot down in Fort Lauderdale that they that they take them down to, I mean, the really big boat, they take them down to someplace in Fort Lauderdale, I don't know exactly, I don't know exactly where, but most other people with, you know, with boats that they can either lift out of the water or take out of the water will take them out of the water in the event of uh, the storm coming, but for the big boats, they move them down to Fort Lauderdale, it's like a little bit inland down in Fort Lauderdale. So you move in like in the intercoastal pretty far in as far as you can make it or something? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm again, I'm not one of those people, so I don't have first-hand experience. I'm just telling you what I know. Oh, God. We had a, when I did one of those things, the CBOE, we had a, they rented a boat to take everybody out for dinner in the intercoastal. Kenny, yeah. this, this thing was huge. The only way they could turn it around in the intercoastal was to, was to make a turn into another intercoastal and back it out like it was like a three-point turn using... Yeah. Through. It was like a 75-foot boat in the intercoastal. I know. It's unbelievable the way they manage them. I, I have to say, I'm always amazed at the way 
some of these captains manage those boats because because they're big. Well, I think they have like they're like the Enterprise. They have maneuvering thrusters. Yes, they do. <clears throat> I mean, you're not just you don't just have the thing in the back and you're steering. No, correct. No, no, they have thrusters on both sides, and they really—it's actually quite advanced. And now it's almost done with, uh, you know, with 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 the with computerization. You just press the buttons, and it almost does it on its own. It's really amazing. Like parking one of these new cars, I would never—I <laughs> would never trust it. Yeah, I hear you. I might trust the boat. So what? What do you what do you make of all this? I mean, it seems like no matter what the crisis. All it takes is two Fed people saying we might cut back. Exactly, and and that's exactly right. Because you saw it yesterday. I mean, listen, we had every reason uh, to back off the markets. We had every reason to back off yesterday, based on what happened over the weekend. But and it was, and it looked like it was right in the morning. There was weakness across the board. It was not surprising. Overnight had been weakness across the board. It was not surprising, considering the extent of what was going on in the Middle East. But then you had the, the two Fed people come out, and you're going to get four more today, by the way. And it's going to be very interesting to hear if they all sing the same song. Have they changed the narrative? Are they now, is pause now the new narrative versus, you know, last Friday it was, well, we're going to get at least one more hike. And yesterday it was like, no, we're all good. Um, we're all pausing. So if four more of them come out today, it's going to be very interesting because then you're going to start to see kind of a shift. And the one I think that's going to be most interesting is Neil Kashkari because he's been pushing for a 6% terminal rate. He's one of the speakers today. If he, you know, Mary Daly's been pushing for pause and uh, Rafi Bostick's been pushing for pause and Chris Wall's been pushing for pause. So if Neil Kashkari changes his tune today, then I'd say, you know, that they got him behind the Iron Curtain and they're hitting him over the head saying, you know, shut up already, we're pausing. Um, and that will be key, and I think that's kind of what's driving the market. Uh, is you're right, it, it, it shifted from what's happening in the Middle East to what's happening in the market. But remember, you and I both know this. While it's horrendous, and no one is—I'm not downplaying what's happened in the Middle East at all. Um, we both know that geopolitical events create short-term chaos, but don't actually end up pricing stocks in the long term. That investors will start to look through the chaos, and sometimes war actually benefits the stock market, right? Uh, and benefits investors. And look what happened yesterday in certainly energy space, because there's concern about that. Defense and aerospace took absolutely off, which is about time because that sector's been under pressure, which really didn't make sense to me this year, considering Ukraine and Russia and all that stuff. The ITA and the XAR are down significantly on the year, but they are. bounced nicely. I, uh, yeah, you don't know what these kinds of uh, sort of under the covers this morning How's that for a place to put it? Didn't the uh, the Chinese place uh, say that there's no way they can pay their debt now? That that's not uh, that's not that, that's not top. This morning, I, mean, I, well, I think I saw it last night. Uh, the, oh, no, not not Evergrande. Who's the other guy? The guy's bigger than Evergrande. The place that sounds like a nursing home. Tells uh, the name of the place. You know what I'm talking about. Chinese market did close down uh, almost three quarters of a percent last night, but the rest of the rest of Asia was higher, right? Japan, yeah. Hong Kong. Taiwan and uh, Australia both up. Country Garden says it may not be able to repay debt. Warns of uncertainty around liquidity position. That would and that's not causing much of a problem anywhere, really. I mean, it's not even in. Uh, we don't worry about that. It's all about the. F- yeah, we worry because I didn't see that anywhere today that I looked. So what uh, what happened, Kenny? If you and I, uh, where I got dropped into the Oval Office and and I don't know you didn't you didn't you didn't oppose me too much on this call, and I would say. Here's what I want the Fed to do. Do all the stuff you normally do in terms of you know, regulation and stuff and actually do it like a lot better than you've been doing it. Uh, 
I want the money supply up 2.5% this year, and I want everybody to shut the bleep up for the whole year except for the meetings. What do you think that would do to the market? Do these people, are, are, they, are they so out of it they don't realize how, tra- how tradable these statements are on a day-by-day basis? They, if they're not either trading themselves or telling their friends, they're, they're, they're dumb as a rock. Because somebody no, they have to be. They have. They have to. I mean, listen. I can't believe that they don't recognize statements they make, right? And and how it affects the market. That's why I think it's. That's why I think it's baloney. Also, that any of them are allowed to have uh, any kind of access or control over their own investment accounts, right? They have to be. They they, they should be completely uh, in a blind trust, right? No one should have control over these people. Right, the Fed, whatever. None of them should have control over their own investment accounts because everything they say can and does move markets. But if it, so it wasn't, if it isn't them, it would be a husband or a wife, or a mother or a father, or a brother or a sister. I mean, how do you how do you police all that? Um, I, I don't know how you police all that. I, I don't I don't know how you police all that. I suppose you just have to make you know the immediate family. So it's got to be it's got to be the wife or the husband, and anyone else that's in that immediate family has to be has to be in a blind trust. They can't have access to the public markets like that. And by the way, again, we could have this conversation. All elected officials, that's baloney too, that any one of them get to, you know, they get to make the policy and then they get to jump in front before they make the policy. That's another, that's bullshit too. Well, you know, they, the weird part, Kenny, is I, 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 I had a meeting years ago when I first got on the, was before I was on the board of the CBO with one of my buddies who is, a, you know, he's an attorney and knows a lot of stuff about this stuff. Way back in the day, he said those guys all would go, would put their stuff in a blind trust. Yeah, he said the, the guy. But evidently, the one thing the last few years I think have taught us, unfortunately, and and Trump has taught us, but he didn't start it. Uh, there are all these things were evidently just conventions and maybe House and Senate rules. They never were actually laws. Yeah. So when uh, who was the who was uh, Bush's when Cheney? Basically told everybody, screw you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to trade my Kellogg Brown and Root. There was no, there was no nothing that said, oh no, we're we're, we're putting the cuffs on him. Right. He just basically said, I'm not, I'm not obeying the convention. And from that day forward, I don't think anybody does. Yeah, right. Which I think is baloney, right? But I, I don't think there was ever, you know, if ever, if ever you want to get into a, and I don't think you'll argue with me on this. You talk about insider trading and or get this guy for insider trading, and the Fed goes and gets some guy from Hong Kong or some damn place. I'm going to say there is there never has been and isn't now a law that defines and and, and says and, and prohibits insider trading. Well, it does for you and me. No, but I mean, there's no there's no there's no past law signed by the president. It's all convention from the SEC and other places, and you can you can say they gave right. those guys the power to do all that crap, but it was never defined by people we elected. It's defined by the SEC to go after whoever they damn well please and leave Correct. other people alone. There, there's no, there's yeah. no law that defines. It's not like, you know, that it was signed, it was passed by Congress and signed by the president. There's nothing that defines it. No, you're right. It, was, it is, the, but it's the, but it is defined by the SEC, right? And, but however, however they want it, you know, whoever they right. want it to keep the big guys okay and the other people chasing, chasing the little dudes to make it look like they're doing something. Right, which is going to be very interesting because I put this in my note today because I was on a call yesterday and somebody made this 
point, some guy who trades in the options market made this point that apparently on Friday afternoon, someone made a very big bet in the options market on FRO, which is a which is a tanking a, a tanker, right? They own vessels that transport oil from the Mideast to the Far East, everywhere else in the world. They made a big bet on FRO right before the market closed on Friday. And voila, Saturday there's this invasion, Sunday the ongoing invasion, and Monday the energy stocks surge and FRO goes up 5% on Monday morning. And so it's interesting to me that, geez, who made that bet? Where were they? What did they know? Or what, you know, what did they know? Why would they have made a bet so close to the end of the day in FRO? A big bet, by the way. Uh, and apparently, according to this guy, it was a big bet in the options market in FRO. So I put that in my notes. I said, you know, what? it's curious. I'm just curious who would have made a bet like that. Who knew? Who knew to make a bet like that? Almost the same way they made a bet on the airline stocks ahead of 9-11. Right. right. You heard all that. Of people that could short the airline stocks the days in the day before nine eleven. Well, I right? mean, I I don't know. We've had a couple of people on the show. Uh, it seems to me, Kenny, and I'm not accusing anybody of what I'm about to say, uh, because I sure as hell don't think anybody could be this sinister and let people die. Right. Um, three things seem to be obvious to me. One, the guy who's running Israel is is hanging by a thread and always has been. Yeah. Um, he's he's extremely. Uh, right-wing law and order. He wants one more settlement, one more settlement. Uh, doesn't doesn't mean he wants anybody dead or anything. And all of a sudden, the Mossad, which probably is, in most people's opinion, the best secret service force that basically anybody's ever had. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's this complete surprise. Those three things do not mesh to me. No, they don't at all. That's right. I agree with you. They don't mesh to me either. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm not lobbing an accusation to anybody. I'm just saying. They, they, it's it, it's odd for me to be. Tr- they can't all be true, right? So some so some, something, something's fishy. There's something fishy, right? There's something fishy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, maybe that comes out. Maybe it doesn't. But or maybe, or maybe it's not fishy. You know, maybe they did manage to to keep it that much of a secret. I mean, it's possible. Right. I guess. I mean, I, I have one one question for you, Ken. I've asked everybody, and I cannot get an answer. And I'm I'm going I'm to jump in with this one. Uh, you listen to the, you know, obviously the people in, in office, the Democrats for sure. Uh, yep. This is not, you know, they're going to tell you that the economy. And by the way, you, you you can't get on CNBC or old station without the first thing out of your mouth is the economy is doing spectacularly without saying that. And so you have to genuflect to the altar of something, something. Right. So how is it that the economy is doing terrifically? We've got yep. like a million or two people more working than last year, if you believe those numbers. Everybody's the hourly earnings and everything have gone up, yeah. yet yet the receipts to the, the federal government and and payroll taxes are down significantly. How can they how can they all be true? Something's not right. Well, no, something's not right. But uh, no, something is not right. I agree with you. But I think uh, it's it, it you know on the one hand when you talk about the economy and you can see the numbers and you can see while inflation is still rising, it's rising at a slower rate that you can see. Um, you can see the jobs numbers, unless the jobs numbers are all bullshit. Now, look, Friday's job numbers show 356,000 new jobs. 150 of those were part-time, though. Nobody yeah. wants to, right? Yeah. They just want to take line number. So, it's, so it is baloney. It's not as strong necessarily as it appeared 
which is why I also think the Fed is saying, you know, maybe we're maybe we're good, right? Maybe we're good. We're not going to raise anymore because that while the number appeared on the top line to be very strong, and the markets originally, you know, initially, oh yeah, there's going to be one or at least two more Fed hikes coming. Now, yes, they suddenly there isn't partly because of what happened over the weekend, but I think partly because. When you really dissect Friday's number, you realize it's not nearly as strong as it was because part-time work is part-time work. It's not full-time work. Do you think a lot of it has to do with the, that the jobs are now, you're not necessarily employed, you're a 1099 employer, and that money may show up at the end of the year or something? Well, and that could be the gig economy, right? All yeah. these people, these generations behind us that are working in the gig economy. So whether it's you know Upwork or Fiverr or these people that are, that are getting paid, uh, you know, not not a salary that's reportable every every week or every two weeks when people get paid, but but yes, at ten ninety nine at the end of the year. So so that could certainly be part of the part of the conversation. Because look, part of my income is the same way, right? Part of it is part of it is W two, part of it is ten ninety nine. Are, are you uh, wor- are you worried that the IRS is coming after people who made like fifty grand, a hundred grand, uh, scalp and Taylor Swift tickets? Are you nervous about that? Uh, I, I'm more nervous about the IRS coming after people that get paid on Venmo that are, you know, trying to make a living and trying to pay their bills, and you know, uh, they're going to come after them for that. I don't think they're going to go after. Uh, listen, maybe they go after the people on Taylor Swift <laughs> because it's a big deal. But I'm more concerned about them coming after the little guy that's just trying to oh, yeah. survive and make a living. Because th- this whole idea about you know going after, you know. Uh, uh, the wealthy is is bullshit. Look at what they've done. They've everything they've done is aimed at you know you and me and the people in the middle and the people that you know people below us doing that doing the, the gig economy that aren't necessarily reporting right. Well, the uh, I mean everybody who says you can always tell somebody how rich they are when they say look at all the people who don't pay taxes. Well, first of all, everybody pays taxes, right? And and it, the, the, the if you've never done a ten ninety nine thing like you and I do some of that, if you've never done that, it's fifteen percent right off the top. Right, and, correct. So I mean, even 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 if you're even if you're shoveling somebody's snow and you get a and you get a ten ninety nine for a thousand bucks for fifteen snow jobs, you you owe one hundred fifty bucks. Correct. Yeah, so, I agree. Anyway, Kenny, take care of yourself, buddy. Uh, interesting stuff. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week. We seem to always do. But well, enjoy the nice weather. Yeah, it's beautiful weather. I got to go to New York today, but yes, it's going to be a beautiful day today. All right, buddy, take care. SP futures up fifty cents. Nasdaq futures flat. Be right back, Professor Elsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks. Jobs. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom, Tom Howley, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 50 cents. NASDAQ Futures up unchanged. They are unchanged. Do we have the professor? Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you? you I'm doing good. I just got my one of the triplets off to school, so 
that's what I do on Tuesday mornings. I take, well, I take my, uh, one of the triplets to school every morning, and uh, on Tuesday I have to take them early. <laughs> so what do you have the other two doing, child labor? Uh, well, I would, but uh, probably get busted by the state. Um, <laughs> no, they go they go to breakfast. Uh, Wes, uh, the one that was named after me, uh, he has sensory processing disorder, okay. and he gets like really super excited. And being in a classroom, you know, with lots of um, kids who are loud, uh, he doesn't know how to handle it or process it. And so we take him to school a little late, so to avoid the breakfast. Uh, confusion, okay. and then we pick him up for lunch and walk him for lunch to get him out of the really oh, loud cool. environments. Cool, that's uh, yeah. good. For, good for you guys. Uh, the um, I'm trying to piece together all the stuff that's going on in the economy with the the invasion yeah. and all this other crazy stuff going on, and uh, kind of beneath the the uh, I don't know if they just did it today because of the news day, but this country garden, these guys that are the biggest property developer in China. Says they may not be able to repay debt. Warns of uncertainty around liquidity positions, meaning they're broke. They failed to make a, a debt repayment of 470 million Hong Kong dollars, mm-hmm. which is 60 million in our dollars. Uh, but they also are talking about that they won't be able to make payments in their uh, dollar-denominated uh, debt, which is different, uh, not the same as the other stuff. Uh, and, and this is the, maybe maybe you can tell me what the. Uh, the Chinese real estate developer Country Garden Holdings said it expects it will not be able to make all of its offshore payments, including those issued in U.S. dollar notes. That's the one we talk about every once in a while, where there's there's the stuff that's in the Hong Kong dollars or in the, in the Chinese dollars that people kind of went through the system to get that debt, but they also went outside the system and just had people ship them dollars or euros, I would think. And, and that's the stuff you can't... I can never figure out exactly who who's in, in hock for those dollars and whether it's significant to them. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's BlackRock and it's 2% of their holdings. I don't know if it's somebody else and it's 90% of their holdings. I mean, it's, it, people are being pretty closed-mouthed about who's in trouble with this debt. But there's a lot of it out there, Hal, and, and, and somebody somebody somewhere has got a problem, I would think. Uh, but here's this is interesting. I, I never could quite figure this, why these loan caveats are in loans. The idea that somebody misses... An interest payment, and all of a sudden the whole thing becomes due. If you can't, if you can't pay out ten million, how are you going to pay out a hundred? And yet that's why all these, you know, when GE had the problem, GE was AAA rated, so their rates were real low. And when they didn't make a payment the one time, all their rates went up. Well, if you can't, if you can't pay the nut on a two percent loan, how the hell are you going to pay the nut on a ten percent loan? I mean, somehow there's no logic there. But this country guard warned that this could lead to creditors demanding faster repayments of debt. You can de- demand what you want, right? And pursuing enforcement action from who? Shares of the company fell 1.19% compared with the broader Hang Seng, where the index rose 2%. Uh, they paid a $22.5 million bond coupon payment like hours to go in September, and I guess this month they're not even they're not even going to try. Uh, anyway, they, they, their, their contracted sales were down to $846 million, six straight months of decline and a decrease of 80% from a year ago. So these guys are toast, I think. And I don't know who it's going to affect, but it's going to it's going to grab somebody. You think? You know, you look at China and their M their their M two. If you trust the numbers, their M two doesn't have a COVID bubble. It's on the same tra- trajectory that it was prior to the pandemic. And you look at their two year Treasury uh, note yields, and it's essentially on a uh, uh, 
multi-year, multi-decade downward trend. There was a big drop in their yield, the two-year yield over there on their treasury um, during COVID. But you look at it uh, post-COVID, it's on a downward trend. Uh, it's currently sitting at 2.26. And it looks to me like it's going to continue down. So demand for these treasuries must be really, really high, right? The demand must be really, really high, pushing the price up. Or the, the supply's low. Or are, uh, they, are they printing money and buying it themselves like we were? Maybe they are. Maybe they're because, you know, they're proposing this massive uh, fiscal stimulus too as well. So, and then you have record, um, never seen before, record teen to early 20 year old unemployment. So I think, I think China's in a really, a, a real bad, in a real bad situation. I, th I think the, 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 the CCP has uh, clamped down on economic and personal freedom to some extent with their, with their, their, um, constant surveillance of their people, what they say. I don't know even maybe what they think. Um, so I think that has a chilling effect on on GDP growth. Um, so I, I, you know, I was saying this, I don't know, 10 years ago, you look at the ghost cities that were built in China. In America, we had ghost condos built in Miami and San Diego. In China, they were, they were building these ghost cities that nobody's living in. And the, I think the reason why they're doing that is because um, they want each governor of the provinces wanted to, you know, show the CCP that their GDP was growing. So I, I think the housing bubble that we had and what we have today is nothing compared to what you're going to see in China. What uh, don't those people though own those units and aren't they paying at them in a lot of cases? I mean, if they're, I mean, if their income's falling though, are they going to be able to make those payments? Well, they, I'm I, sure they're not. But I'm saying it, it's not like it's not like here where. Uh, you know, a developer does something and doesn't sell it to their. You can you can give them a deposit, but yeah. I don't think they can use a deposit for building. I, uh, Jan Flanagan was saying that they they get the mortgage and they and they they give them the money and they and they use the mortgage money to build the place or something. It's, it's totally yeah. different the way it's financed. Yeah, well, you know, in San Diego, there are a bunch of people living in these con or a bunch of people own condos in San Diego and Miami that nobody lived in, um, and they're making the payments on because they're expecting to sell it in a couple of years for a 20% rise. I think that's just uh, China on a massive scale. And it, you look at the Chinese consumer, they're sending fewer of their kids to America to go to college because things are getting tight in China. So I think money's starting to dry up um, at, the, at the family level, at the unit level. So Are you, are you seeing, I, uh, may, I don't know if you have, you I mean you're obviously a professor at a few places, uh, do you have your thumb on the pulse of I guess what I'm trying to get to this question is has the University of Illinois which love these people, I'm not saying they should have yeah. or shouldn't have, but they love them because they paid full bore. Do you think oh, yeah. the, do you think yeah. the amount of Chinese students at the University of Illinois say is down over the last five years or the same or up or what? I have no idea. Well according to an article I was reading, things are getting tight. Money's getting tight in China. And um and one way, one way to pull back is to not send your child to an American university, and that's what this article is reporting that I read over the weekend. Or any, or any of them? Well, that's that's a big term because I guess how would any of us know? But are are they are they paid for by the family or by the state? Well, according to this article, um, it, it looked like they were, you know families are paying the, these tuition bills, 
so we're, we're talking about now China's a really interesting place because you know they have a, they have an education system where you know you have kids who don't do academics well they're kind of like separated and they're kind of like sent to like a vocational track and they got you know maybe the 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 very athletic ones they're kind of pulled out of the system and, and sent to like an athletic track they do the same thing in and Germany then, I think yeah and so you have this group of students who I think uh, I, I'm just hypothesizing here but those group of students uh, that are left in the you know the academic sector of their education system they're the ones being tested and they're and their averages are being compared to American averages. And in America, all kids, you know, go through, you know, the, the education system, right? So well, I, I think if we have when a you system compare that like, average to our average, you're going to see a difference. If we had a system like that, where do you think the average Stacks and Jacks producer would land? <laughs> they'd, they'd be going to Harvard. Harvard? <laughs> Greg and Harvard? <laughs> Greg, would you like being in Harvard? <laughs> no, definitely. You'd be, you'd be, well, he, he wouldn't he would have to pronounce his R, so there's a benefit, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you'd be out kayaking on the what, what's the river in front of Harvard? That pretty cool river. Whoever it's. Anyway. Oh, I used to I used to cross that river uh, when I uh, had an internship there near the MIT campus. I forget, uh, man, I forget that name of the river. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, an, it's beautiful that whole area. Oh yeah, the Massap Bridge yeah, goes yeah. right across it. It's really beautiful down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I I, I don't the Charles River. It's right. the Charles River, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I I know not that much about the internal workings of China, but I. I can't imagine if you're not a party member or one of the big industrialists paying seventy-five grand for your kid to go to Illinois. I mean, if the state's not helping you. Somebody's—that's that's a lot of money for somebody here, for guys. Well, sake. There, I think there's a, a group of people in China that are pretty pretty oh, yeah. well to do, and that percentage can be small when you're talking about 1.3 billion people, right? Well, that's true. Um, yeah. You just—they I mean, they still got the deal going where you come over here and become a citizen if you. You bring enough money to have a, a business where it hires 11, 10 people or something? You know, I'm not a... sure about that, but I, I do know with my interactions with uh, graduate students in our PhD program, I, I think um, you have to be pretty loyal to the CCP. Like, you come to an American university and the expectation is that you don't stay and you, you go back and you, you take that brain capital you've uh, acquired. At least that was my experience. Well, allegedly, you take it back to China? they have their own essentially secret police force here watching all these people. Yeah, yeah there were a couple of cells busted in I think New York and what, yeah. Houston? Yeah. 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 Um, so, now what do you make of this uh, the whole worldly thing going on here and now we've got people blaming Iran because the U.S. freed up uh, some of their money uh, was supposedly for humanitarian purposes only like a week ago but there's people saying that that's the money they use for the, you know, they well, I don't, was I don't think that I, money. I don't think that six billion dollars was physically used to finance this stuff. No, I don't maybe think. maybe what happened? What, what happened is maybe they had six billion dollars earmarked for humanitarian purposes within China, and some of that money because they know that the six billion dollars is right behind it. They, I mean, yeah. governments, universities do this all the time, right? They'll take money from this pile and put it in this pile. So you take it out of the humanitarian pile and you kind of feed it into this into this other. You know, foreign adventure uh, pile, right? And then it gets replenished with the six billion dollars. Yeah, you, you, so it's not physically being right, used. Right. I think it's still in. I think it's still in gutter, right? It's supposed to be, yeah. I think it's, um, well, that's I think it's still in gutter banks. I don't. Uh, this whole whole thing, I can't put my arms around. It, but then again, I don't know why I should be able to. But uh, yesterday we had an interesting show with uh, 
Mike Murphy, who's a former Army intelligence dude, talking about I, I didn't realize how much separated that Hamas really is is not the same as the the Palestinian leadership by any stretch, but that some of the uh, a lot of the younger males, uh, mostly males, uh, that are getting tired of their own leadership or are, are joining Hamas. I mean, I I just don't know how you can sustain a situation where your unemployment rate's twenty five percent. Hell, I don't know how you. Yeah. What, what did ours get to during the depression? It was like thirty, right? It wasn't it wasn't much worse than yeah, twenty five. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty up there, yeah. But I mean, twenty five or thirty. Twenty five percent. Yeah. It gets pretty high. I mean, it's. I mean, if twenty five percent of the people can't find a job, the, the quality. Oh, they're of the gonna jobs, be outraged. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, gonna they're gonna be outraged. But the, the quality that are unemployed. Yeah. But the but the lower twenty five percent that do have a job, the jobs can't be very good. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about it. Uh, I've talked to many uh, Arab people, uh, uh, Persian, you know. Uh, people from Iran. I've had them in my classes. I've interacted with them in taxi cabs and Uber cabs um, in Utah. I haven't done it much here in New York because we kind of stay in the house. It's so expensive to get outside the house, you burn money. But in Utah, I'd, I'd have these conversations with people and they'd always tell me they like Utah because it reminds them of home, right? The high mountains, the snow in the mountains, and then the low deserts. Uh, and then they like the... Uh, family values of Utah. And so if you're a, a young person in your 20s and you're unemployed and you have no hopes for a job, you have no hopes for a job, you have no hopes for marriage, your marriage outcomes are really probably bleak. You're going to be yeah. upset and you, you kind of associate that with either uh, the the government, um, that government, either associate with them or you associate with the people across the border who seem to have a vibrant economy. They, they must be doing something wrong right they must be cheating some way and so you you take it out on somebody oh um, yeah you can't you can't and, stay in a re- refugee camp for 30 years i read this yeah i read this thing once and it had to do with uh it certainly was not about uh, anybody you know fomenting uh discourse or expecting people to go you know shoot people or anything like that it was not about that but it had to do with uh uh you know just people's perspective and what's what's current and what isn't where, where you and I, we may we may sit there and say, okay, wow, there's refugees here, there's refugees there, and all these people. I mean, they're they're kind of in bad shape, you know. There, but for the grace of God, go us. Uh, but the same token, we get in the car and we go to work, or you get on the subway and go to work, or whatever. And then all day long happens, and you got clients. You got to, you know, maybe you have a drink with a client, or maybe you meet somebody, and all of a sudden, uh, maybe you go to a ball game, maybe you don't, maybe you watch a ball. It, but at the end of the month. It, it it is it escapes your thought process, and it could it could reach the point where it's years, where you vaguely recall that after the you know the Yom Kippur War there were people that were displaced that are in uh, Baca Valley in tents or something. And you yeah. sit there and go, but you never really cross your mind to say, God, it's twenty five years. I wonder if those people are still there. You know, it, it, the answer yeah. evidently is yes. And then, well, they could they could be refugees on your streets of L.A. Yeah. or San Francisco or New York, right? But and you the, and you just get you get used to it, right? You but, step over them. But I mean, you but you even if it, but if it's another place, you but yet if you're one of those people, that's all you ever think about. I mean, it, yeah. it's front and center for you every day. It's just it's not like you you like the idea that there's people you know people from Syria are stuck in Jordan somewhere, right? It's just yeah. not part of your daily routine, you know and Thankfully, it isn't. Uh, 
But the fact is, if you're one of those people from Syria stuck in Jordan, I mean, I got to be that half my day is plotting to get get the SOB that stuck me there in, in Syria. And how do I how do I get back at him? I mean, I'm not a violent guy, but I, I could be sitting there going, if I could take this guy out, at least I'll have I'll have that going for me when I when I go to the grave. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's just it's not different that you don't feel bad for everybody. I think you should. I think most people here do, but it's just nothing a you can do about, and b yeah. you got to go to work or you got to go to school and you can't think about it or you don't have time to think about it. Yet if you're one yeah, of those people, the pebble's not big enough in your sandal. Yeah, right? and, and, and but if you're one of those people, what else can you think about? Yeah. Over years and years and years, now, I mean, how how I can't think of how bitter would I get if I was one of those people? I mean, hell, I'm yeah. half Irish. I, I, I'd be know. pretty bitter. I mean, scarcity turns humans into animals. Yeah, in Venezuela. After the price controls were put in place and the economy tanked and they had hyperinflation, I read articles of people um, attacking zoo animals or attacking wild game and eating them raw because that's how desperate they were. So scarcity in relationships, scarcity in you know fatherhood. If you want to be a father and raise kids and you can't have a job, there's scarcity in the social uh, connections you want to have. There's scarcity in food. There's scarcity in income. It, it, it turns people. It can turn people into subhuman. Seriously, that may—I think they turn into zombies in some regard, right? So, I mean, maybe maybe Palestinian Authority kind of likes having to perpetuate that because they have this angst, and then they can direct it at Israel, right? And then the the anger that builds up in these camps is directed at them physically, right? Yeah. Well. So. You know, Palestine play Palestinian authority plays kind of nice with Israel through gutter, right? But you have this group of people that are uh, living below subsistence, subsistence in these these camps. They have no prospects, no hope. They have a desire to marry and have a job and and grow wealth, but they can't. So you know, it's kind of a convenient thing to have if you're uh, trying to overthrow the the people that you think are occupying your land. So I mean, it's really complex, it really is. Well, if you if you uh, if you ever read a interesting book, I would you know I I, I didn't read the last third of it because I really didn't give a crap about uh, accidental petroleum. Uh, there's a book Arm and Hammer by Arm and Hammer, uh, absolutely fascinating period piece. I mean, I you know I like I said I don't care about Oxy Petroleum. I mean, when I knew of the man, he was the head of Oxy Petroleum, and I knew he was this tough sob that nobody tried to take that place over, right? But the history of the guy was absolutely spectacular. I mean, he was, well, when I, when I started trading, the guy was 90, and it seemed like he lasted another 20 years, but he didn't. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, one, we're talking about one tough old bird. But if you, yeah. if, you, if you read the first five chapters, I was stone-cold fascinated about what it was like growing up in New York in those days. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, just, just the heat in the buildings and stuff, some of the, the little stories about how, when you have a flat roof building, I mean, I, you know this because you're a professor, but it's actually hotter at night because the heat builds up in the attic during the day. Yeah. And if you don't have insulation, it just pours down into the building at night. So it's actually hotter. At, even if it's 65 outside, it's going to be hotter inside than it was during the day. Maybe not 65, but but everybody slept. Every, you slept on the fire escape. Every kid had a step, yeah. and the parents had the, the, the platform. Like, how the hell do you sleep on a, one of those metal fire escapes looking straight down eight floors? <laughs> I'd have trouble with that. Just just saying. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just life. That, that's yeah. what you grow up in, right? That's all you know. It's all, it's all you know. Laura Ingalls, Laura Ingalls' daughter, Rose Wilder, 
Lane, she wrote a book, uh, Discovery of Freedom. And it's essentially a history of just the common everyday person in societies back, you know, a thousand, two thousand years. And, you know, you know, in the, in America, just like in New York, like you're talking about in America, in the Midwest, it was, un, it wasn't uncommon. It was very common for people to live in mounds of dirt. Her grandfather lived in mounds of dirt and you would think, well, he must've been a low member of society. No, he was actually a upstanding member of society, but that was just very common in the, uh, the prairie states. So it's just a fascinating history. Um, of just common people because what we know of history history is written about the people who are kings and queens yeah. right? that's what history is it's not about the common guy the the carpenter's mate in a ship, in a, in a British naval ship, right? It's not about the carpenter's mate in, in the 1600s it's not about that person, it's about the captain it's about the kings and the queens and and very few people were in that situation. Most people, 90, 99, 95, maybe 98% of people were just common and they lived at subsistence levels. Well, one of the interesting parts that I picked up and I, you know, this, the party line, I'll use the Russian term, the party line is that even during the Depression, people absolutely were convinced that the, the American way of life was the best and the Constitution and, and whatever we had, our republic or our democracy was, was absolutely the way to go. And it was never anybody who really who dared say a word against it. Yeah. Well, it turns out that isn't exactly true. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it, it wasn't working out so hot. So Armenhammer's dad was a doctor, and he he was not a, a rabble rouser of any kind. But he went to a couple of these uh, communist meetings or socialist meetings. I mean, because it, it really wasn't obvious that the capitalist system was working so hot, right? So for somebody to say, "Well, hey, there's another system. I should go learn about it." I'm not so sure that that was all totally out of line. I mean, do you? I mean, uh, so you? Oh, no, I think yeah. I think uh, I think uh, discovery and learning and being open-minded and asking questions, even questioning why our system was failing at the time, right? I think those are all legitimate questions, and and to say you can't have those discussions, that's anti-American to, well, not, to well, say you can't have those discussions. Well, the old man evidently was a doctor, and he went to do a a, a, a birth somewhere. And I don't know, I don't know, something weird happened where he, the lady was all messed up and he tried to induce labor and somehow or another, anyway, they accused him of, 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 uh, of doing an abortion, which he had no intention of doing evidently, but because he tried to induce labor, they, they knew he was going to these meetings and they put him in jail for, for performing an abortion, which he didn't do evidently. So Armand Hammer said, rather than taking the train every Saturday up to see my dad in jail, I'm going to go to Russia for five months and find out what's going on over there. So he went over there, and it was all, all about getting on the Russian train where you had to buy your own candle because there was no lights on the train. You had your own food. Can you imagine what that thing smelled like? Oh, he was oh on yeah. A, he was yeah. on the Siberian, uh, Trans-Siberian Railroad, and he met, he met a guy who basically knew about asbestos, and, and he was he was going to go over there to learn about because he was a doctor as well. And he goes, you know, he never, he never was a doctor like a day. He became involved in asbestos, and he was involved in pencil manufacturing in Russia and made it made like a fortune this is just you know before Lenin's days and uh and uh it was it was pretty fascinating but his dad was jailed for essentially going to these meetings I mean it, why, why would you think if you're out of work and the place isn't working I mean, nothing's working oh yeah this this capitalist system don't worry about it it's fine well it wasn't fine 
right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think socialism would have been better, but 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 it clearly to, to capitalism, it sure didn't seem like a solution to you when they're winging you out of your house, right, on the on the yeah. farm. Uh, so I mean, there's there's been a lot of that, like in our, you know, there were people question, is this working out so hot? And you're right. I mean, you know, what's it like over in in the in the Palestinian where the Hamas is, you know, trying to get people to be more violent and people to want to be violent? And I can't even imagine the undercurrents going on in that community. Can you? Well, I, yeah. I mean, young young men living like that. I mean, I, I don't think young men want to live in a situation like that. I think they want to, you know, in that culture. I think they want to achieve something. I think they want to maybe get a job or they have aspirations just like every, I think everybody else does. And when you're, when you're locked in and, and trapped in that kind of environment, it, it's got to breed some kind of resentment, well, which you, leads to hatred. Well, can you name any society, because you know, where the unemployment rate among 18 to 35-year-old males is over 20 or 25% that there aren't problems? Well, you know, in, in China, they have that situation now, I think. They have uh, their youth, their their 20-somethings, they're suffering about 20% unemployment. I, and I think what's going on there is they're kind of doing what their American counterparts are, you know, you know, living in mom and dad's house. And in the United States, if you're unemployed in your 20s, um, maybe I, I've read articles where mom and dad um, pays them to be, to do like, the things, the chores that they don't want to do, like go to the pharmacy. Like they're they're doing things like um, Kramer's. Kramer hired a butler, I think it was, or or Jerry hired a butler, right? In the Seinfeld episode, uh, Seinfeld, and in a Seinfeld episode, or um, Chandler, right? Uh, yeah. Joey is uh, very successful in this alternate life um, flashback, and Chandler's out of work, and Chandler is taking the pulp out of. Joey's orange juice, for example, right? So I, I think that's kind of happening in China, um, amongst you know wealthier people. But you don't, we don't see this in the news at all. And China tries to suppress it, but there's all kinds of protests in cities throughout China, and, but it's being suppressed you know, on the internet, and it's not being shown on the news. And MSNBC and Bloomberg would never show it because they want to be in that China market, right? So I mean, it's I think it's going on in China, but we're just not allowed to see it. Well, if I if my mom was still alive, I'd have to have her talk to you because when I got out of school, I lived at home for a while, like a long while, and uh, but I paid rent from day one. And by the way, yeah. if, if the gutters needed painting, I, I did the gutter painting. I never got paid for that. I had a bad deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I lived with my grandparents after I got out of the Navy, I went to graduate school, and my dad was in jail for a fourteen-year-old DUI. And I came back from Michigan where I was working. I told my grandparents when we went and visited my dad in jail that I'm going to move in. We're going to get my dad's life back together. And we did, right? But I lived with my grandparents. And every month, I gave my grandmother $200 um, cash to live in her basement. And then whenever they needed the house painted, they needed the, the shrubs uh, trimmed, I did it. I also did the dishes. I cleaned the kitchen up after my grandmother because she was in her 80s and she couldn't do it. She cooked. You and I had a bad deal. That's <laughs> <laughs> futures up too. Well, man. Yeah, futures. Up. We, had, we had a good place to live and good job. Plus, my mom and stepfather, my, my buddies over. 
We always had two more for poker because they love to play poker. Was like, anyway, we'll be right back, Stocks and Jocks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. Greg Pappas on the board. S&P futures up three. NASDAQ futures up eight and a quarter. We got Dow futures up 45. Like I said, not much going on in individual stocks. We got Amgen down a buck. These are the Dow stocks. We've got uh, Boeing up a buck. Uh, we've got Salesforce up a buck. So up, up a little bit. McDonald's up a buck and a quarter. Uh, Europe, big big rally over here though. This is, this is kind of crazy. DAX up 222, 1.5%. What's he up 113, 1.5%, CAC around up 98, 1.4%. Uh, what's their big on their mining stocks over there? Not so much here, but over there. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 751. It's 2.5%, making back most of what they lost on last week. Uh, Hang Seng up 147.8%. Shanghai down 21.7%, so kind of a mixed bag there a little bit. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 197, S&P up 27. NASDAQ Canada lag, we're only up 52 where everybody else is uh, doing better. Uh, bonds uh, down 8 basis points, 4.70. The Bund up 5. That's a flip. 2.81. Japan unchanged, it's 0.78. We've got oil down 19 cents, 86.19. They were up pretty good yesterday, but still, we were $93 10 days ago, so I mean, it's still down. Rent down 16 cents, 87.93. Natural gas up 3 cents, 3.41. Arabob up a penny, 2.25. We've got gold. 
up a whole 380. Not really doing much. Uh, 1868, silver down 9 cents, 2183. Copper down 4 cents, 359. We've got uh, Bitcoin down 99 bucks, 27,505. We have the US dollar uh, slightly lower with the, with the uh, euro up a little bit to 105.8 and the pound up just a very little bit, 0.1% uh, to 122.5. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 736. Chicago here, it's 44 degrees, 59 today. Breezy with some sun. Phoenix, 74 right now, 97 today. Hot with plenty of sun. Traffic, Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 43 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook is 78 minutes in. Eisenhower, Wolf to the interchange, 51 minutes. Dan Ryan, 95th to the loop is 31 minutes, and Stevenson, 294 to the right is 39 minutes. Sports Packers lose at Raiders, 13-17. And in the MLB, Phillies lose at Braves, 4-5, and the Diamondbacks win in L.A., 4-2. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, Hal, we have uh, your buddy, Paul Tudor Jones, is on TV talking about that the U.S. is in the worst fiscal shape he's ever seen since World War II. And he was saying that the geopolitical risk is highest he's ever seen it, and uh, maybe since the missile crisis, and uh, that trading is incredibly challenging. I uh, want your comment on that, but also when you start talking about, I well, actually with my buddies, the Fed is long before COVID. They were at uh, we were having an adult beverage, and I said, you know, I've I've researched, and these guys, you know, they're Fed guys. I said, I've researched, when I mean, people argue about Keynesian versus monetary policy, I don't think I've ever been able to find anywhere, uh, any country really, maybe somebody who, maybe Switzerland or somebody who might have really been on the gold standard and actually was on the gold standard. I don't know if I've, I've ever seen a situation where a government used fiscal policy and let the monetary policy totally alone, or they didn't contribute to the fiscal policy to the point where you really couldn't even call it fiscal policy. It was some sort of a blender. Ended up being monetary policy anyway. Can you think of one? Or am I, like the guys in the Fed thought I was absolutely stark raving mad. And I said, no, you guys tell me. When, when's the one mm-hmm. time where the Congress decided to do deficit financing or run a surplus, and the Fed just said, you're on your own and never even blinked, just kept doing the money supply up 2% or 25 Never helped them, never hurt them, never did anything. I said, I can't imagine that happening, and I don't think it ever has happened. Can, if, can you? I think after World War II, uh, I think the Fed was accommodating the war effort. But I think there was like a few years that kind of the interwar period where the Fed kind of said, no, we're going to do our thing, you do your thing. But, you know, you would you would have thought that maybe when Burns became the Fed chair, that maybe Milton Friedman would rub off on him. But I don't think he did at all. I think uh, maybe the Volcker years, uh, more Volcker was trying to target monetary aggregates. I think he was, he's probably the closest one to the, that situation where, you know, he's looking at money growth rates and you look at interest rates at the time, they would cycle in these large bands, but everything, everybody after Volcker, um, and I think Volcker was the least worst of the Fed shares in my opinion. Because he was doing that, I think he was trying to, he was trying to do the Milton Freeman thing where he. But you know, it's really hard. What is money, right? Wh- which one are you going to target? Um, well, they all, they I, they I all move the same way. They, I mean, you can, yeah. you can, you can, yeah. you definitely know on a long term basis where you're at with this stuff. Yeah, I actually think yeah. that Volker. So I, I think I think from that point on, it's all been 
who could be the hero on the evening cable news? Yeah, I mean, I I really think that Volker, and on, on the one hand, he either I think was a ill-advised was it was a dummy as he used to say at Pullman um, regarding <clears throat> how much the CPI actually lagged, and I'll say that's that's the good part of it uh, because it actually I mean in, when when people talk all the time about if these if these people get these raises, prices are going to go up. Yeah, they've already gone up. <laughs> the yeah. wages are just going to maybe catch up. But there yeah. actually was a time. I mean, if people were to, as much as I tell, say these people are flat out wrong. They don't know history. They should read it before they say something. Uh, there actually was a time I think when they were correct. And when I say that, if you look at the history of the '60s, '70s, and '80s inflation, and people, you know, you look at the the cola situation. Most of these uh, unions, I mean, regular unions, not not the political or the public unions, had cost of living allowances in their in their paychecks and in their in their contracts. Well, well, that didn't that didn't happen in six months. That happened because inflation really started in '68, started moving along, moving along, and you had the federal government that had maybe as much as 15 different tax brackets. So if you got any raise at all, all you did was go up a tax bracket. I mean, you, it was a bad time for people who were working. Well, you didn't just get to renegotiate your contract because you saw inflation. You had to wait. So a lot of these, these contracts that people got that had coal in them, they, didn't, they weren't signed to like 76, 77, 78. And it, didn't, it wasn't like they all, everybody, all, everybody all of a sudden got a coal increase in 70 or yeah. 69. That didn't happen. Um, so yeah. anyway... But at the end of this whole mess, when Folker comes in, I don't think he realized, and maybe he didn't have the evidence at the time to realize, but to me it's, it's amazingly obvious because I managed to last longer than him. The CPI, even if people are legit, which I don't think this one's legit at all, but if, even if you're legit, it's a very lagging indicator. I don't know why that is, but it is. So near the end of the inflation in those days, I mean, Dr. J and I used to drive to work together, and I go... John, this inflation's gone. He goes, it's absolutely gone. There hadn't been prices, all the price increases had stopped, yet the CPI still showed it moving through the system. Because, like I said, I don't know why they're so lagging, but they are. So the last maybe two or three quarters of the inflation back, I'm going to go as far as 79 or 80, maybe even 81, the last two or three, maybe even as many as six quarters, the CPI kept showing inflation, even though there wasn't any. But I think, and so people were getting raises that they, quote, didn't deserve. Not, they were getting cost of living raises they didn't deserve. Regular raises, maybe you do deserve. But they were getting coal increases that I think really were not warranted, except for the CPI. So for a, a bubble period of time there, maybe a year, year and a half, too, the fact that somebody actually did have to give everybody a raise caused some prices to actually go up. Because the, the prices weren't going up on their own. They had to because all of a sudden you had to pay people more. I'm going to say that at one brief window, you might have actually had wage inflation. But every other time, the prices go up independently of the wages, right? Yeah, I, for the most part, yeah. I mean, but you, gotta re- you also got to remember that this thing that we talk about, the median wage, it hides a lot of information. Well, sure it does. Like, for example, when the economy is doing well, that means people from other nations want to come, and that pulls wages down during an economic expansion. And when the economy goes into the tank, the, the, the people that came here, they tend to go back to their home country, which means 
the base of that average is smaller and it tends to lift it up. So these averages at the national level, you got to, I mean, it's like taking the average of an NBA basketball team uh, with and without the triplets. Say the triplets walk into the NBA basketball locker room and then all of a sudden you take the average of the people in there and it drops, you know, four or five inches because the triplets are, are only 40 inches tall, yep. right? It, that doesn't mean the people in the locker room, the, the basketball team members are shorter, right? So we got to re- be really careful with these averages. Well, I wonder if, if, if there is such thing as an afterlife and I make it to the same level that Volker is, I'm going to walk up to him. I, I, I think he's percolating, this is a little bit before your time, Hal, percolating also in the halls of academia at the time of uh, Milton Friedman and all these guys that were big time that kind of laissez-faire big market economists. The whole idea of the savings and loan situation, they just they would shudder when you mention it to them. The idea that there yeah. would be a, a local place where people put their money in and gave out mortgages in that area and and could only, what was 85% of the money had to be spent on mortgages, right? Was something along those lines. Totally different than a bank. Uh, they just kind of shuddered when they looked at that, that, no, this should be a national market and risk could be should be priced nationally and blah, blah, blah. And it, it has no business being on a local level. I think that Volcker used the fact that he kept his foot on a brake too long. I'm going to say innocently, he didn't know the, the lag time in CPI, but if you want to put a, a much more satanical view on the guy I think he put the savings loans industry out of business on purpose because the well, big... I, I, it doesn't really matter if he did it on purpose or not that's what happened right and it's kind of like what's happening today these regional uh, banks are it make, to me you know what hell to me it makes a huge difference because yeah. it showed the big banks were in charge of the Fed even then and not, yeah. uh, and not yeah. us if it's on purpose yeah you're right because yeah. I don't think the, I mean uh, if, the, if the Fed is supposed to be doing this for the good of the country the big banks are way too powerful in the in the makeup yeah. of the Fed. Yeah, I mean, right? They're the one that they, it, it, it did crush competition. That's for sure. Yeah, and all of a and sudden you, you look at you, you look at what happened during the uh, the the when uh, Greenspan lowered interest rates to one percent, and then we had the housing bubble. Yeah, there was a, there was a consolidation there too. Any anybody who thinks that the mortgage industry is better now than when there were savings and loans, I I, I got a I got a bridge for you. It's kind of a, a monopoly cartel, if yeah. you really think about it. Well, Fannie really and Freddie's a monopoly. And, and, and it used to be owned by people. Now it's owned by the government. And even though they're making more money than they ever gave them, they won't give the people their stock back. Yeah. And this stuff still trades, right? Well, you, know, I, you know, a funny thing is about China, uh, I was kind of curious why their two-year is trending downward. I didn't know this until I just looked it up during the break. They have a $1 trillion budget deficit. So that, it's not that they're not issuing bonds they're supplying a lot more bonds so what are people in china doing are they are they buying are they they putting them are they putting their money into treasuries chinese treasuries because the price is going up they don't have the same they don't have the same capability how that we do to to print the money that's why they that's why they want this brick currency anyway their m2 is on the same trajectory so I don't think they're printing the money like like you said because their M2 is on the same trajectory. There's no bump up or drop. It's just on the same trajectory they've been on for like 10 years, right? Same trajectory. But their two-year is really low. So I'm kind of thinking a lot of discretionary spending maybe is being parked in these two-year treasuries. But how much, are the, 
how much of their I've never been there but how much of their their uh, I'll say market is done in alternative currencies to the one or, or in yeah, or I know. So. yeah. Well, right. I think a lot of those questions can't be answered because you can't get truth from the CCP no. I, don't, I don't yeah I mean I, I don't think you're they're gonna let you see the reality right they don't want you to see 20% unemployment amongst the youth they do don't think, want you to see do it do you think they even know Maybe they don't even know. I mean, they could be like a president of the United States. The president of the United States, if you really think about why their second terms are so bad, it's they have yes people all around them. They have, they're Mike Tyson in the ring against Buster Douglas, right? Everybody's telling them they're doing a great job. And then they watch, maybe they watch the media, but they're only watching the media that favors them. Yeah. So everybody thinks they're doing a great job. Maybe the CCP is in the same situation. Maybe they think they're doing a great job because everybody in DC seems to think we're doing a great job. Everybody on CNBC and and uh, NBC and all those networks think thinks that we're doing a great job, but you know, sixty-one percent of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. We have a few minutes. This war that's going on, or really any war that's going on right now, given like the, the Swift networks and things like that, where people can kind of track where this money's going. I mean, you can't really because you can do barter transactions and things like that, but shouldn't people be able to figure out where like all these rockets are coming from and all the other stuff that the, the arms that you know Hamas has and things like that I mean they've got you know, they thousands and thousands of rockets I mean who, who are they buying them from are they, are they I hope they're not buying them from us but are they uh, I mean, who, wh- how are these guys getting the money to buy them and who are they buying them from and do the people who sell them to them know where they're going I mean it seems like there's a whole seamy underside to this that would be an incredible story not only know but to deal with well you know uh, a few years ago we left 85 billion dollars in afghanistan 85 billion dollars with the military gear and equipment weapons jeeps helicopters we left 85 billion dollars in afghanistan just left it behind i'm sure some of that i'm sure the taliban is like thinking hey we got a market for this so we can sell it right uh, Do we at least take they, the keys maybe, to the Jeep, or we leave the keys in the Jeeps? Well, I mean, you can hotwire a Jeep. I mean, you, <laughs> you, can, you can get it to work. <laughs> probably. Can you hotwire a tank? I, I, don't, I don't know if you and I can hop in a tank and drive the thing away. Well, a, a tank engineer could. Yeah, well, that, that would not <laughs> be me. Uh, you know, you can hire a tank engineer to you know figure out how to start the dang thing, right? I'll tell you what. If we it, didn't if leave the, $85 billion there. If the Jeep is a stick shift, we probably got 80% of the population that couldn't yeah. even drive that. Well, and we got all this money that is flowing to Ukraine. We got arms flowing to Ukraine. Are they using it all? Nobody seems to want to do an accounting of that. No. Um, so are the, are I mean, Ukraine, before the Ukrainian war, it and Russia were like 132 and like 130 on level of corruption of the most corrupt nations on the planet. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Least corrupt, least corrupt. So they were very corrupt. So you still have the same people in the in that government of Ukraine. It's not like all of a sudden they're, they're uh, altar boys right they're the same people that were there before this war started i'm sure because nobody wants to do an accounting of what's going in the ukraine i'm sure you know a portion of the arms we give the ukrainians i mean if i i need to make a little side money i'm going to sell out the black market if i'm living in ukraine and there's no food and and water you know i'm going to i'm going to probably offer it on the black market so you know the, the arms are probably ours and well, these these, these rackets, they, these rackets yeah. they use—I don't think those are ours because there's no there's no yeah. guidance to them. They're just 
There are yeah. things you just fire in that direction, and wherever they hit, they hit. I, I, mean, I, I think yeah. most of them are. And I'm sure, I'm sure people, you know, make these things. I mean, if you if you made guns illegal in the United States, people are going to make their own guns. Uh, you're not going to change the uh, the demand. You're not going to flatten the demand curve. You can't flatten the demand curve. The demand curve is the demand curve. Either they make their own, or they buy them from the cartels who will start making the guns. Right. So there there are probably people making this stuff too and selling it as well. Right. Well, I would think so. I just, I mean, you, you, you would you would hope that that somebody, uh, you know, like no NATO nation or anybody like that is just selling these guys stuff because they need money. I mean, but, I don't think NATO. I don't think NATO yeah. nations are doing that. I think they're they're leaking out uh, through the war effort in Ukraine, or they're they are leaking out of Afghanistan when we left all that that gear there. Um, what do you mean? You think China is a purveyor? Or no, I mean, I, I've never heard of them accused of that. I mean, I mean, it, it'd be hard to tell. I mean, they're not going to tell us. Right? They're not going to say, "Hey, we're 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 selling arms to this country, and this country is selling them to that country." I don't think that's ever going to. Well, but if it's if it's, if it's cash being moved, somebody should be able to track it, right? We like us or the Fed. Well, the th- the funny thing that you and you, uh, Kenny, in your discussion right before I came on, you guys are talking about how there was this big trade made right before the attacks, and then the price of what airlines or oil went way up. On the following Monday, right, and somebody made a ton of money on that. How come we can't know who that is? I mean, they, they somebody per- made those purchases. Somebody pulled the trigger on those purchases. They, they must have known something was happening. Uh, I mean, I think the Kenny, same thing happened. If it's 9/11. the right, if it's the right people, I don't think you want to know. They, they never. Yeah. The the, the story with the nine eleven stuff because I was you know I was very tight into it and that wasn't my system but. My buddy John and Jerry and Dr. J, who I've been doing stuff with for 50 years, uh, you know, uh, John had this system where they, there were, there were all kinds of systems. Once once you get back to the guy, was the name of the system? I'll think of it. Where you could actually program it to figure out, let's say you're talking about IBM options, okay? IBM options trade an average of 2,000 a day or something. You could you could put in there, okay, if the average is 2,000, and, the, and the, the, the standard deviation was X, you could say, okay, for a, for a two-time standard deviation move, not in the, in the option, but in the volume, I want it to flag for me. Like if all of a sudden they trade yeah. 2,000 contracts a day, call options, and one day they trade four, okay, I want to know because something might be going on in there. Maybe not, but, but something might be. Well, most of these things were, were pretty crappy because all they did was do volume. So if I went in and... If I had a real big client, and I wanted to do a two thousand lot covered right, where I'm buying the stock and, and selling the calls. I guess it would show up. It's somewhat of a bullish trade, but you really didn't know if somebody was buying them or selling them. So what John did is he came up with a system, or had, I had guys do it. He's not a programmer. Uh, came up with a system and said, I want to know if those calls are taken on the offer, or the puts taken on the offers, or the sold calls sold on the bid. Because if somebody takes the offer. And just pays up for them. They probably have more of a of a thought about where something's going than if they just, you know, it could be just a, a could be a spread trade, for instance, uh, where a spread trade there's no it could be a neutral spread. There's nothing there that tells you direction. I mean, I could buy a time spread, say in a in a silver, it's, it's trading twenty bucks. If I bought the a boatload of the twenties next week and sold the twenties this week, I'm just doing a volatility play, hoping it stays here, and I'm you know along the call for the week. I mean, it, it, there's nothing that volume doesn't tell me. Anything. So, so Jan's stuff was was done in a way where it told you a little more. 
I'm not saying it told you the you know t- chapter and verse, but it told you a little more. Well, the day before 9/11, you started to see a whole bunch of puts trade in uh, airline stocks and a couple others that were mm. you know, would be involved. Uh, and he, and all of a sudden, you know, the 9/11 happens, and these these are super outlier trades in these stocks. Well, he talked about it on CNBC, so of course the SEC wakes up and starts contacting him regarding, hey, what's with this? Because they, they they couldn't track it; they had no idea what they were looking at. They're idiots, mm. you know. So well. they they were all over John. So he gave him all his data. Now every single option trade, you can tell who did it. I mean, mm. I I can't, but. I mean, I, I know that if, you know, the trading floor, if I did a thousand lot with somebody and the give up was Smith Barney on the other side, I at least knew I did it with somebody, it's a customer or somebody, it's Smith Barney. So, okay, it should be easy to go to Smith Barney and say, by the way, who was that? It's one of their clients. You might say, well, it's an institutional guy that uh, only used us to trade on the trading floor and it was CMTA to Stiefel Nichols. Okay, well, then you go to Stiefel Nichols and you go, okay. This trade landed here. It was executed by Smith Barney on a Florida CBOE. By the way, it landed here. Where did it land? Which account? Uh, uh, well, it has to land somewhere, you know. Now, even, yeah. if, even if it's overseas, it, 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 okay, it came from uh, uh, whatever, uh, Snar Inc. In, in, in Switzerland. Well, you're, you're still a member of, of OCC to have it, have it flipped to you. You're still a you, – you can track anything down. I mean, you might you might find out that their their policies were so lousy that somebody opened the account the day before, put five million dollars in, bought this stuff. Well, by then it hasn't even settled yet. Well, if you're quick enough, it hasn't even settled yet. You can intercept the money. I guess if you're SEC and you're three weeks late, and you say <laughs> and you say well, I don't know, uh, this guy Snar put it in here. We never heard of him before. He gave us cash, which you're not supposed to be able to do. And all of a sudden he bought all these puts, and and, and his, his account's gone. Okay, where did you wire the money? Well, I wired it here. I mean, it, you, it's pretty hard to escape this, especially with that kind of money. I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you could, but it reaches the point where it gets to a spot where they don't want to know. What, what if it's yep. the Saudi government, which I'm going to yep. say would 18 people in 9-11 were from Saudi? It might have been the Saudi government. I don't, you know, I'm saying that. So now what do you do? Are you going to drop a bomb on Saudi? Maybe we should have if it was them. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not a warmonger, you know that. But Well, you have, you have a 9-11 commission that kind of... Yeah, well, well, yeah. So now, now all of a sudden, where, where, where does this? Report. Yeah, where does this all go? The, the idea that you could never find him—that's bull. Yeah, that's bull. You, you might not find the person if, 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 if. I mean, how many ifs can I put there? It was the Saudi government. You're never going to find the person there who pulled the trigger, probably. But now, now, what do you do? The, are you are you are you going to say to the U.S. population, uh, by the way, we invaded Afghanistan and Iraq, and we find out three years later that that the trigger was pulled by the Saudi government, that would go over like a fart in church, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean you asked me, I mean, but I'm saying the, the idea that you can't track it is crazy. Yes, you can. Yeah. Hell, I could do it. I mean, okay, where did that money go? Well, I went to this other firm. Call the other firm. All right, where did that money go? I mean, you, this is not this is not hard. It's, I mean, it may not... I mean, if you're, I'm just, I've never been on the trading floor, but if you're a, a trader and this guy... Has a one-sided trade like you're describing. That's really, really abnormal. There's no hedge to whatsoever. It's sure. just a one-sided trade. Well, I mean, for no uh, hedge for him, but it might be a hedge, might be a hedge for you. Yeah, I, but you got this one guy, this this entity, that's gonna you know, short a stock with 
you know, an ungodly amount of money because it, it knows that something bad is going to happen in the world and the stock price is going to fall, right? Um, if you're if you're the person executing that trade, aren't you like thinking maybe I should tell somebody about it? If you're working for such a company, well, if, it, if it's if it's that kind of size, that's why yeah. Milton Friedman, of course, again, he was in an era where all the trades were executed on the trading floor. His point was, yeah. don't even worry about insider trading because people will police it themselves. I mean, if you had, you know, Greg Pappas racing in <clears throat> and right before uh, IBM's earnings <clears throat> with a big trade. And guess what? He's right. And most people are going to say, "Okay, fool me, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me." Well, the next yeah. month, nobody's going to trade with him. And the month after that, he might walk out with a dotted eye. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the way you should do business, a dotted eye, but <clears throat> but now you don't know where anybody is. You don't yeah. as a trader. I mean, I, I mean, I in the OEX pit, there were a couple of firms that had quote the fast money, where they always had the guys who seemed to know stuff before anybody else. You know, for a while it was the uh, Goldman guy. <clears throat> you got to be careful trading with them. Or then it was the Morgan guy, and somewhere else. Because, but they, but they would wear out their welcome, because they would say, "I want to do two thousand of these in some stock that maybe the crowd could only do a thousand. The, the firm would take the other side, so they, they would end up screwing the firm. The, the firm didn't care if they screwed you, but if they were if they were part of the trade and they got screwed, they'd kick the guy out. So the guys who really had the in, inside track. They'd, they'd keep going from firm to firm. And the, the trading floor always knew, okay, uh, Goldman Sachs got to watch out for them now. And the next month it would be Smith Barney. And the next month it would be somebody else or maybe some independent broker. You can you could tell, sort of tell. I mean, the, the, the fa- they used to call it the fast money would actually would actually kind of sneak from firm to firm because they'd end up screwing the firm too. And then the firm would <laughs> kick them out. <laughs> you, you can screw everybody wow. else, it's fine, but you screw me out, you're out type of thing. Yeah, it works in the short run, but it doesn't work in the long run. No, no. <laughs> SP futures up three, NASDAQ futures up one. Right now we're hovering. We're waiting to see what happens. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 